Welcome to the Arts and Learning Conservatory monthly masterclass series, where we invite industry professionals to share their knowledge and make artistic learning more accessible. If you'd like to learn more or sign up to join our next masterclass live, please visit us at artsandlearning.org. Here we go. So, um, this is about maximizing admissions and not losing your marbles, which are two things that may seem at odds, uh, but I swear they can coexist. So uh, the first step is to know that you are uh, doing very well uh, just by virtue of being here uh, and starting um, the at the time that you are, whether you're uh, a junior or you're a sophomore, or if you're like uh, Colin Higgins and you're starting when you're like, in sixth grade, uh, you're getting a leg up and you know what to expect. Um, so you are already like a boss. So today, here's what we're gonna go over. Uh, what the different kinds of theater schools are, uh, how they differ, because that's really important depending on what your goals are. Uh, you'll learn that you have a school that actually fits your career goals and that there's a, an actual formula to maximize your admission possibility how to get the best training in the country and still not break the bank, how to find material, and also what toxic advice about the process to avoid. Uh, so along with giving you good advice, I'm gonna also try and steer you away from bad advice. Uh, and you'll also learn a timeline for keeping you relaxed and ahead of the game, which you know, so much of this is not actually all that hard, but managing it with the rest of your schedule can get hard, right? Because you have so much else going on um, you know, it, if this were your only full-time job, it'd probably be easy. But if you're a student, you have uh, schoolwork and homework and uh, tests and extracurriculars. And if you're a parent, you're also working and doing everything else. So how can this fit in with the rest of your schedule? So there's a bonus at the very end that I really want you to hang out for. It's a trick to keep you in the room uh, and to get you a little more attention and to ease... Um, um, uh, sorry, I have an unstable connection. My son Colonel, recommended to you. Oh, that's great. Okay, great. So, um, Brenda just messaged me about her her being frozen. Uh, so, got it. Thank you, Brenda. Okay. So, let's start with you. You are a performer uh, or you're a family member of a performer who wants to give your child... Um, Hi, buddy. My puppy just got back from the vet. He got his first vaccines. I'm so excited because now we can take him out for walks. Um, yeah, we'll have to talk about that. Okay. Uh, you are a family member of a performer uh, who wants to give your, um, your child the best. And you also want to continue your theater in education and beyond. Let's start with navigating theater colleges from the very beginning. Uh, show of hands, who has already done some work into looking at colleges? Even if just like, sort of looking at programs. So Sophia, uh, Avery, Tate, uh, Jana, Noah. Hey, Noah, good to see you. Okay, so here we go. Um, so this is from my friend Autumn, who is a former client of mine. She says that his teaching methods and his emphasis on collaboration made my monologues a huge standout portion of my auditions. And Autumn went from super unprepared, like throwing up in her shoes, to getting into her... Um, her chosen school in about two months. So that is not the exact process that I would like you to go through. She did like the concentrated process, but we got her there. So here's my story is I was an actor from the time I was in high school and I was taking moody black and white headshots. Um, so I was an actor all through high school and I went to college for it. And when I got out of college, um, I actually didn't go into uh, acting right away. I was sort of kind of scared to do it as a full-time job because I didn't have anyone telling me how to do it. So I went into stage management, and I was stage managing for the Walt Disney Company. I stage managed for um, the Aladdin show in uh, California Adventure, and then I was a stage manager for uh, the Walt Disney Company at sea on the cruise line. And there was a show that, if you've ever seen a live Disney show, you know they're just a really thin plot to get from one big hit to the next big hit, like, they want to hear almost there, and they want to hear part of your world. They want to hear da 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 da. So there's a very very thin plot to, to connect them. Um, there's one show called The Golden Mickey's, in which the main character is a stage manager who really wants to be a performer, but they're too scared. 
So I'm calling the show, I'm running the show, and every time at the end of the show, the stage manager realizes, oh, this is their true calling and they find true happiness. And like every time I was working this show, this little teardrop would leak out of my eyeball and I would suck it back into my face and be like, keep it together until finally I just couldn't handle it anymore. And I took my headset off and I threw it against the wall and I said, the next place we're getting off, I'm leaving. And I got off in Los Angeles and I opened up a copy of uh, Backstage Audition Magazine and I sent in my video for uh, audition and I went to work the next day. They called me and said, can you be here tomorrow? And I said, okay. And like, I don't know if you believe in a higher power, but I sure do. And I could tell that they were like, you know, putting me on the right track where I should have been the whole time. And since then I've been teaching. I've been, I've been teaching at OSHA for the last five years in Orange County um, until I moved uh, to New York. So all I've been doing is uh, being able to act and teach you. And I say that all because if someone's gonna teach you to drive, you wanna make sure they have a driver's license. Uh, and they're qualified to teach you. So um, my adventures have brought me on national tours and off-Broadway and regional stuff. So um, I've been where you are and I've, I've been all over. So I'm here to help you kind of discover your own journey along the way. So uh, I'll show you how to get started. The four types of theater schools. Um, th this might get a little heady. So feel free to ask for clarification. Uh, the first one's a BFA. Now, this is the kind of degree that you think of when you think of going to theater school. A BFA is a Bachelor of Fine Arts. And uh, the reason that it's different from a regular degree is that a whopping 70% of every class that you take will be in your field. So if you take 10 classes, uh, seven of them will be in theater, which is like a crazy amount, okay? It's a really narrow focus of your discipline. It's focused on acting, MT, vocal music, dance. Like, it's really concentrated. You have to audition for the program. There aren't really any BFAs you don't audition for. So the pros of something like this, you could imagine, would be you get a lot of training. A lot of industry connections from, you know, uh, Broadway directors who come to direct your shows, who come to teach a class for a semester, um, showcases at the end of your senior year, you get to put on a show where agents and managers come to see you and they sign you and you're fabulous uh, and you have to audition. The reason I put that as a pro is because have you ever been in a production before or a class before where you're the most talented person and you're like, I hate this. I, I, I much rather would be challenged by being the least talented person in the room. So I always consider that a pro where I go, I want to be barely to be in this program. The, uh, and the master classes. The cons are that you're not able to double major. So show of hands, who's sort of maybe thinking about double majoring or minoring? Okay, cool, cool, cool. So um, you really can't do that with a BFA because it's a really specific focus on your program. Um, you also don't learn as many skills. So you'll get really, really good at say acting, directing, um, vocal music, dance, but you won't have those additional theatrical special skills and you won't be able to study abroad. So if you know you want to use a semester to like, you know, say Avery's like, I really want to go to England for a semester, you probably can't do that with a BFA um, because it's so intense. And it's a more homogeneous population. So like, I know that as much as I love actors, I don't like being around actors all the time because actors are cuckoo bananas sometimes and sometimes you just need to get away from that. So I knew that I wanted a not BFA so I could be around a lot of different people. Um, and it's a pro and a con, you have to audition. It's a pro to audition because like, oh, these people are really cool. A con to audition because you have to audition. Um, so who's it right for? This, this degree may be right for you. If you're an actor or a tech or a stage manager and you want to work right away, like you're going to school because you want to work in theater professionally, this might be the degree for you. Uh, or if you want to go to grad school for it. So next uh, Next degree is a BA. This is what most people have. Most people have a BA. A BA is like a regular college degree and you can get one in theater. It, so it means only 50% of your college classes are in your discipline. So show of hands again, who wanted to double major and study abroad? Maybe, cool. So a BA would be more up your alley uh, because you get a broad study of theater. So like, let's say that Tate went in to a BFA, she's taking a lot of acting classes, um, dance and singing classes. Let's say Jana went into a BA, she takes maybe 
half of those acting, singing, dance classes, but then she also is taking carpentry and electrics and stage management and playwriting and directing and uh, box office management, like all the other stuff that goes along with theater. Um, you don't have to audition for this kind of degree usually because it's such a broad-based program. Um, the pros are you are able to double major. So let's say that, um, you know, Avery really wants that theater and, I don't know, basket weaving degree. She can do that with a BA. Uh, you can study abroad. You don't have to audition. And it's a more heterogeneous population. So you're not surrounded by just actors all the time. The cons are it's not as challenging as a BFA. So does that kind of make sense based on how I explain them? Sort of kind of? Cool. Um, less training for a professional entry, and there's no audition. So a BA is really perfect if you want to be an actor or a stage manager or a theater teacher, but you're not sure if you want to do it professionally. Maybe, like, I, I only have a BA, and I do this professionally. So a BA is right for you if you're like, maybe I want to do it professionally, maybe I don't. I want to keep my options open. Um, a professional training program is a third kind of uh, third kind of school, and this is for like the only thing I want to do is make a living in theater right now, and that's it. I have no other plans for the future. Uh, this is a hundred percent of your college classes are in your discipline. So this is as close to Hogwarts as you get. We're like every class is magic. There is no math. There is no science. It's just magic. This is just music, uh, theater, acting. Um, so uh, you have to audition, obviously. The pros are it's really intense training. You get really, really good training out of this. Um, uh, Tate, uh, Tate asked me, um, uh, do people usually hire people with BFAs over BAs? That's a great question, Tate. Um, uh, it doesn't actually matter uh, on your resume. It doesn't matter in the room. Uh, this is the one... One time I will say, like, your, your degree type doesn't really matter. Um, if you are the person they're looking for, they don't really care what your degree says. Um, uh, a professional training program um, gets you ready to work, like, immediately. Like, you graduate and you're booking. So if there's anyone in here who's like, I have no other plans but just to do theater, this is the kind of degree that I would advise for you, Okay. Uh, the downside is there's no diploma. So you would get a certificate that says, Noah, you have completed this thing. You don't get a degree, you get a certificate, which is not the same as a college degree. It's a completely homogeneous environment. So like, remember when I was talking about being around actors at the time with a BFA? At least with a BFA, like you can take a journalism class if you want. With a professional training program, you can't. It's just theater all the time, okay? So who's it right for? Actors who want to work professionally. Like, if you are this kind of person, I would look into a program like this. Um, Deborah asks, uh, what professional training program uh, programs do you recommend? So there's not actually a lot out there. So I'll list, like, all the ones that I like. Uh, I like uh, AMDA, which is in New York and Los Angeles. Um, and if AMDA is ringing any bells for you, particularly negative bells, um, it's because it used to have a pretty nasty reputation um, that I think was was pretty warranted. Like they were taking everybody and you didn't have to be that good to get in. Um, the training has always been good, but it's never been that picky. Since AMDA has really cleaned up its act and uh, AMDA has actually started a four-year BFA program along with its professional training program, it's gotten a lot more selective. Um, and the one thing that I will say about AMDA is everyone I know who's graduated from there is ready to work like from day one. They know how to book. So if we're talking about it in terms of financial security for your kids, like you are giving them the best tools to make a living with from the day they're out of school. Uh, I also recommend um, uh, PCPA, which is uh, somewhere in Central California. Um, it's a two-year program. They don't have a BFA program. Um, uh, and then there are a couple of acting schools, but they're not as, not as beefy on musical theater. So I would avoid those for right now.
Uh, so there's one more degree that maybe this might be up your alley. So show of hands, uh, who is maybe interested in like running their own theater company one day or like being a big wig at like a, a theater company? That's okay. Uh, so the, the last, last degree type is it's a BA, but it's not really hands-on like making theater. It's like um, text and criticism based, right? So it's, um, it's a specific focus on criticism, text, and dramaturgy. So it's talking about theater. It's reading about theater. It's writing about theater. Um, and uh, it's perfect if you want a master's degree in like uh, dramatic literature or something. Uh, but you don't get a lot of hands-on work. Uh, and these kind of programs, uh, dramaturgy, hey, great question. Uh, Colin asks, dramaturgy is like um, the text, I don't know, like you're kind of uh, somewhere between a playwright and a director. Um, you are sort of the analyst of the text and you're also a fact finder. That's the big part of dramaturgy is you, um, there's a dramaturg on hand with a director and a playwright, and they go, ooh, actually, that character would not make that choice because that wasn't the social norm at the time. Or, oh, they wouldn't ride in that car because that kind of technology had not been invented yet. So you're kind of like a theatrical historian. Um, these kind of fancy, fancier degrees are mostly found in, like, fancy schools. So, like, Berkeley, um, uh, Yale, Harvard, they have lit-based BAs. Um, and it's right for artistic directors, PhDs, et cetera, et cetera. So school selection, how to pick your schools and manage your schools. So there are three kinds of schools, reach, fit, and safety. Now, I'm sure that you've heard terms, these terms or terms similar to these from academic counselors being like safety schools, a reach school, a fit school. Um, that usually applies to like your GPA, your test scores, blah, 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 blah. When I say them, they mean... Um, something really specific. Um, it just means how many other people are trying to get into the school, not how good your, your transcripts are, okay? So a reach just means there are a lot of people trying to get in, okay? So a reach um, has great training and usually reach schools um, are very popular in media. Like everyone knows these schools and that's why they have so many people trying to get in. Um, they have a lot of networking for you as a student. Um, and there's a big showcase in New York and LA. Um, you can write it in the chat or just turn your mic on. Can you like name for me like some like textbook uh, reach schools, like popular colleges? Like NYU. Yeah, NYU is perfect. Uh, NYU, um, Michigan, exactly. So actually Tate, um, Yale would be a reach school academically. Um, but because they don't have like an undergraduate drama program, like the Yale School of Drama is only for graduate students. Um, so Yale is for sure a reach school academically, but different from the context that we're talking about. A fit school is just means very good training, sometimes better than reach schools, but they're less well known. That's all it means. Uh, you still have a lot of networking opportunities, still a lot of summer theater opportunities uh, and showcases, but they might be smaller than reach schools. So like, say Tate graduates from Michigan, there'll be like a hundred agents and managers at her showcase. If Jana goes to, I don't know, Montclair or something, uh, she'll have 70 agents and managers. It's like still a good number, but just not like over the top. A safety school, when I say safety school, all it means is that there's no audition. A safety school just means you walk on the campus, you say, I'm Deborah, I want to be a theater student. They go, great, come on in. Like, that's all that means. Um, it also could potentially be less, um, less training, but it depends from safety school to safety school, okay? So how many schools do you pick as you're making your list, okay? Um, so these are, I, I, I put a note in here. These are just my recommendations that have worked for my students historically. Um, I caution you against like hard rules because they may tie you up. Uh, but I always recommend 12 to 20. Um, now there, that may sound like a very high number of schools to apply to. Um, 
And the reason being is that if Jana is just like a regular student, not a theater student, she's probably applying to seven or eight schools. Uh, and she'll probably have a pretty good chance of getting in. But she only has one hurdle, and that's the admissions office, right? But if, uh, if Brenda is applying to like theater schools, she has three hurdles. She has admissions office, she has the audition, and then after that they go, ah, oh, man, you're really talented, your grades are great, but we really need six foot tall male tenors. Sorry, Brenda, we just can't use you. So because you have so many more hurdles to jump over, that's why our list is so much bigger. Um, so what should my school makeup look like? Again, these are my recommendations. They work for my kids. They work for me. Don't get too married to them. Um, one safety school minimum. I always mandate that. You have to have one safety school on your list. I've never had a student have to like punch that glass in case of emergency. It's never happened, but I always make sure it's there, okay? Um, the rest is a composite of fit and reach. And this is where I do get kind of um, sacrosanct about this because this does make all the difference in the world about getting it. Uh, a 50-50 ratio of reach to fit, good. Like you have five reach, five um, fit, awesome. 60-40, six reach or six fit. 70-30, still pretty cool. But if you go beyond that, then your slope starts going downhill and you start losing out on possibility of admissions, okay? So do not go beyond 70-30, because that's kind of like your maximum admission formula right there. Does that kind of make sense? Okay, cool. Academic factors. So academics are always, always, always less important for a professional non-degree programs. So let's say that like Deborah's flying in, flying in with like a 2.4 GPA. Maybe she got a six on her SAT, but like, man, she can... She has pipes, right? And she can blow the roof off the place. Doesn't matter for a place like AMDA. Totally fine. Um, sometimes uh, with academics, you have to get accepted to a university before you get into the program. So let's say that Colin's like, I really want to go to NYU and like you're super talented enough. Uh, you're great to work with. You'd have a super like long, long career, but you have to get admitted academically before you're even considered. So sometimes that's true. Sometimes, however, the department and the admissions office can negotiate acceptance. So let's say that like Tammy's flying in with like a 2.8 GPA, but she's a really talented performer. The department can kind of, you know, go, come on to the admissions office and see if they can work something out. Okay, so I, I say that because I often have parents who are like, oh, I don't even think it's a, a good idea to have my kid apply to the school because of their grades. And I want to keep those doors open for you because it's not always that you are disqualified from getting into a school because of your grades, okay? Sometimes academics aren't important for a degree program. Sometimes like um, you, can, you can have a, a 2.5 and like a, you know, a nine something on your SAT, but if that particular program is new and they're recruiting people, they're definitely gonna get like a blessing from the admissions office to like get people into that program. So it really depends on where you're applying. Does that, I, I, I know that sounds kind of heady, but does that make sense? Okay, cool. Um, uh, good rule of thumb, just check with each school. Um, and by check with each school, like check with the admissions office, but also like check with a college audition coach because like they'll have the dirty on each school. Networking. So networking is a really cool thing that can happen uh, when you're at college. This is me and my best friend, Adam Pascal, um, who actually doesn't know who I am, but we did one show together uh, 10 years ago. And now I, my entire TikTok is just devoted to me doing impressions of him. All right. So one way to network is some colleges are associated with a regional theater um, and regional theater is a specific term. It's not just like a theater in a region. Uh, it means that you are a professional theater, an equity theater that's not in New York City. Um, and if you have a, a regional theater associated with your campus, it really opens up a lot of networking opportunities for you. Um, directors, casting directors, actors, choreographers, musical directors, those are all people that um, you can work with who would normally work 
on national tours, on Broadway shows, but they would be working with you over the summertime um, at a regional theater, okay? Uh, and it's also very nice because once you, if you do decide to move to New York, you would have those people in your network already. Like you would know people already um, in the city. Some of those high profile schools slash regional theaters are Webster in St. Louis. They are connected to the Muni, which is like the big daddy of uh, outdoor regional theaters in the country. Wichita State uh, in Kansas, which is associated with, with Music Theater Wichita. Syracuse in New York, which is associated with Syracuse Stage. And University of Utah, uh, which is associated with the Pioneer Theater Company. The University of Utah, I will, I will make my prediction now, uh, is a fit school right now. And I predict because of how much I am promoting this school, it's going to be a reach school within two years. Because Missouri State used to be a fit school, and then I was proselytizing people about Missouri State being like, go here, go here, go here, go here. And now whoop, it's a REIT school. So like if, if, if you, University of Utah is not on your list yet, just look at it because I think it has a lot to offer MT kids. Other forms of networking. Guest directors who come in for a show that you're in. Um, guest lecturers. Like guest directors, I know that um, – Whatever college Sutton graduated from, and it wasn't a huge college, um, Sutton Foster directs a lot at her old school. Um, University of Utah, what location? Ooh, I will get back to you, Brenda. It's not, uh, it's not Red Rocks. It's not Cedar. It may be Salt Lake. I'll have to check. Um, uh, guest directors, um, Guest lecturers. Uh, guest lecturers happen a lot if you're at a college like in a big city, because if you're going to school at like USC or UCLA and the Hamilton tour is in town for six months, like it wouldn't be unusual for like Lynn to walk across the street and do a lecture at your school. Um, master classes, cost awareness. Okay, so this is, I think, more for the parents, um, but uh, students, it's also important for you to be aware of this too, because you might be on the hook for your student debt, okay? Uh, myth, all great theater schools are expensive. This is baloney. Great schools, many of them are under $45,000 a year. So $45,000 is a lot of money. However, it's kind of a mid-level school right now, like a mid-level school cost. Um, so if you can find great theater schools for under the mid, that's great. Uh, and a lot of them are even out of state from where you are and still super affordable. So what are they? They're state schools with really competitive BFA programs and a couple of BA programs. Uh, why are they hard to find? Why, when we talk about great theater schools, are we always talking about the really expensive ones? Because college rankings uh, are stupid. Uh, they are fickle. Um, college rankings don't make a lot of sense because the companies who rank them aren't familiar with theater programs. They're ranking mostly on business and journalism programs. So the ones, the state schools that have great theater programs, they're not bringing the university in a lot of money, so they're not that well known. And a lot of these schools that are in college rankings are pay to play. So let's say that like Tate University, um, Tate pays like, you know, $20,000 to be listed by US News and World Report. Shocker, she makes the top 100 list. But like Jana's like, I'm not paying you $20,000 to be listed in your stupid magazine. She doesn't get listed. So like be really skeptical about uh, schools' rankings in magazines and publications. So state programs, they range all the way from a regular BA to a pre-professional conservatory, okay? Uh, so as costs have been going up, obviously state schools are getting really popular for like Broadway level training. Um, I will say this anecdotally, so take it for what it's worth. Um, most of the, of the friends that I have personally on Broadway or on national tours have graduated from state schools. Um, I, I know a few like Michigan and, and Carnegie and Syracuse grads, but like most of my friends working on Broadway have graduated from Cal States. Um, so when should you pick your schools by? Because I get a lot of questions about timelines. So my personal recommendation is if you were a junior, have your first draft of your school selection done by tax day, by April 15th. 
And this is not a final draft by any means, but it's a way to get things in motion. You still have time to redo your list, to research, to drop schools, to add schools, but have the first draft done by April 15th, okay? So let's say you've picked your schools. You've picked your schools. You have a nice balance of reach and fit and safety. Now what? Okay, so audition season will sneak up at you, okay? You're going to spend the summer between junior and senior year coaching your uh, pieces, coaching your monologues, coaching your songs, and getting them in good shape. It comes up in a flash. So you must have these three things ready over that summer, okay? You must have two contrasting post-World War II monologues. That's really funny phrasing, but that's the phrasing they use. It just means monologues um, from after like the 1930s. So like they, they don't want to hear super old classical stuffy monologues, okay? Have two of them plus one backup because it's uh, not a great feeling for Tate when she's about to go in and then uh, Colin is doing her monologue and she hears him doing her monologue in the room and she's like, oh no! So you use your backup. Uh, when we talk about contrasting, which we do a lot, uh, sometimes um, it can be kind of kooky. Contrasting just means different situations with different tones. So when they say like dramatic and comedic, it doesn't mean like my world is falling apart compared to like a chuckle bucket, okay? It doesn't have to be like that severe. Dramatic just means a more dramatic situation. Comedic just means it's lighter, okay? And I tell you that to make sure that you know you have so many more options than the crazy Facebook mom groups will make you think that you have. Those crazy Facebook mom groups are like, no, dramatic means this, comedic means this. It doesn't, you're fine. So where to find monologues? Monologue books get a bad rap, but they're actually a great place to find monologues. Uh, the only rule about monologue books is the monologues have to be from a play. It can't be an original monologue written for a monologue book. So, like, if, um, if Brenda has, like, read 100 plays and put the best monologue from all those plays in a book, use her book. Uh, however, if, um, if uh, Jana has written 100 monologues for her monologue book, don't use her book, okay? And the reason is because when you're in the room, you'll finish, and your adjudicator, the person behind the table, will say, that was a nice monologue. What's the moment before? What happens in this play? And if you don't have an answer, like, you're SOL, okay? Um, uh, I also encourage people to look at uh, well-known playwrights, lesser-known works. So, like, there are a lot of playwrights who have written plays that have just, like, tanked. And those are really neat to look at because uh, they'll have great stuff in there. Uh, the last resource that I recommend is Scribd, S-C-R-I-B-D. It costs, like, 10 bucks a month. Uh, I've used it for years. It has so many scripts and scores. You can find almost everything you need there, okay? Rules for monologues. <clears throat> you must be talking to someone else. You must be talking to someone else for a reason. Um, so, and the reason again for this is because if you're in the room and Noah finishes his monologue, and they go, great, no, that was wonderful. Who are you talking to? And what are you trying to get? And if you go, I don't know, bomb, all right? So have a scene partner and know why you're talking to them. Um, there are a lot of monologues out there, especially for teenagers, that are memory monologues. Like, in this monologue, Stephanie reminisces about the first time uh, that she picked a peach tree from her grandfather's old backyard. Like, who cares? Like, the, the important moment has passed. Make sure the monologue has to do with the important moment being in that moment, not remembering the important moment. Number two, two contrasting songs. Um, I imagine if a lot of you are musical theater kids, you have, like, at least, what, like, four or five songs that are in your wheelhouse that you could, like, produce at the drop of a hat, right? Okay, cool. Um, so have two contrasting songs that are like your primary go-tos. One up-tempo, meaning one faster. One ballad, meaning one slower. That's pretty easy to do. Uh, and minimum two backups, because it's a lot more common to have someone sing your song right before you go in than someone do your monologue, okay? Um, when I am working with my one-on-one -on -one kids, 
90% of the time, whatever songs you have in your book totally work. Um, and it's the opposite for monologues. 90% of the time, the monologues you have don't work. And I hope you find those. Okay. Um, and also, this actually is in the wrong slide. This sh should be for just the actors. One 16-bar acapella, if you're not musical theater, if you're just acting, um, the acting schools will still want to hear your voice. So make sure that you have like 16 bars. Don't, don't make them have you sing Happy Birthday. Okay? So like have some cut of a song ready to go to sing without accompaniment. Does that make sense? Um, oh, Deborah asks... Why acapella? Because that is what the acting schools will um, ask for. They'll say, have like two classical monologues and then one song because we won't pay an accompanist. But wouldn't they not be good singers? That's why they wouldn't want them to sing acapella if they don't want to go into... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's probably true. Um, th the only reason they do that is because like in Shakespeare we sing so much. There's so many songs in his plays. And so they just want to hear if you have a voice. Because it's acapella, they don't really care if you have a good voice. They just want to hear what it is. Um, so what does contrasting mean for songs? We talk about what contrasting means for monologues. Contrasting for songs usually means like dates. So before 1968 and after 1968. Again, like that's like a very inside baseball rule but it just means, does this sound old? Does this sound new? Okay, so don't be married to that date. Um, same as a monologue, one's dramatic and one's lighthearted. And then for ladies specifically, this is very important, um, have one song that shows off your belt and one song that shows off a sustained legato line. So one song where you blow the roof off the place and one song uh, where it's... that goes on forever, okay? Rules for songs. Have a scene partner, same as a monologue, because the adjudicator will ask you the same questions. Who are you singing to? Why are you singing to them? Um, and then also, and I imagine a lot of you already sort of have this done, have the sheet music to your full song and to the 32-bar cut of your song and to the 16-bar cut of your song. Uh, the reason is that if colleges had their way, they'd be like, oh, awesome, Morgan's here. Uh, let's hear... Morgan's full song. Um, but if like, then Jana shows up and like they're behind schedule, they'd be like, oh, Jana, we'd love to hear your full song. We only have time for 16 bars. So be sure that you can give them whatever they would like in that moment. Where to find songs? Um, I know these books get a lot of flack too, but the Hal Leonard Broadway books are a great place to start because they're so specific to like, here's, you know, 50 songs for mezzo-sopranos, part one, two, three, and four. Like, they're really helpful to find audition cuts. Um, <laughs> I put listen to cast albums, but, like, teenage musical theater fans are the last people I have to tell listen to musicals because I know that, like, you do that anyway. Um, Well-known composers, lesser-known works. So, like, there's a lot of crummy um, Rodgers and Hammerstein shows and Rodgers and Hart shows. Um, uh, Lawrence O'Keefe, uh, who wrote uh, Legally Blonde and Heathers, has also written some stinkers. So, like, look at some of those. Um, musicals nominated for the Tony that you haven't heard of. Do a Wikipedia search. Uh, what musicals lost to better musicals? Do their songs. Um, I'll give you this one. Th 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 this is a free gift for ladies and gentlemen. There's a show I love called High Fidelity, which ran for, I think, 14 performances on Broadway. Um, and then it closed. Um, it has so many good songs for girls and boys. And usually people don't know it because like it just didn't do well. So there's your free gift. Um, there's this thing called the do not sing list that people talk about. Um, I think it's, I wish I could use a stronger word, hogwash. Um, it's, it's, it just gets people in their head. It gets people in their head and gives them anxiety, right? It's so useful to talk about a do not sing list. That's dumb. Uh, it's perpetuated from negative people who want to sound smart. Okay. This comes a lot from the crazy mom Facebook groups. Um, I call people who cut down other people lumberjacks. It is full of lumberjacks in those groups, right? Like I feel insecure. I want to sound the smartest. So I'm going to cut down your choices, right? Uh, we have a 
chat here. Um, why acapella Sondheim is fine. Uh, mm, <laughs> Deborah, good question. Um, so some schools will actually tell you, don't bring in Jason Robert Brown, don't bring in Sondheim. Um, I would just, if it passes the common sense test, it's cool. So like Giants in the Sky is probably okay because everyone sings it. But like there are other Sondheim ones that like, if it, if it makes you want to run in the other direction, just looking at the sheet music, probably don't bring it in. You know what I mean? Like um, some schools are fine. Just check the actual wording from schools. Um, the do not sing list to me, and this is my soapbox. It does actual damage to kids' psyches, right? Because students get anxiety freaking out because a song that they love is on this made up list. And they actually believe that a school will not admit them to college if they have sung a song that's on this imaginary list. Like it, it, it does so much damage. So like take the idea of the do not sing list and throw it in the fire. Okay. Like it, it will only hamper you. There's a little asterisk here. Uh, oh, before I get to the asterisk, your acting in your voice will always sound better if you are doing a piece that you love than if you are not. So like, let's say that Sophia's like, man, I love Defying Gravity. And I'll be like, okay, cool. Let's look at a hundred other songs and see if there's anything else that calls to you. And let's say that she does it. And she's like, oh yeah, you know what? I found three or four songs that equally speak to me. I'll be like, rad. Let's say that Tammy is like, no, I love Defying Gravity. And we go through a hundred songs and she's like, I can't find anything else that I love. Then that's the song that I want her to sing because her voice will sound better. Her acting performance will be better if it's something that she connects with, okay? And I have seen this happen in real life, okay? Um, having said that, like I said, if a song is done a lot, see if you can find something different that has the same feel and gives you the same like chills up your spine. If you can't, then just follow your gut, okay? Number three. A targeted school list. So I talked before about maximizing admissions um, between like fit schools and reach schools. Um, the 20 to 12 schools, one to two safeties. Um, so this is where I have to say like, uh, you know, not everyone uses a college audition coach, but if you are going to use a college audition coach for anything, use them for this because this is the first thing that you do in the process. And having a targeted school list before the summer even comes around is going to reduce your anxiety and make you feel so much more prepared and organized and confident that you can get everything else done on a relaxed and organized timeline. Um, because on your own, this is true, it just takes a lot of time. Like I said before, you're fitting this into the rest of your schedule. Um, so it may cause you to... Um, you know, to start late and your materials may not include critical info if you're building the audition requirements uh, entirely on your own. Uh, where do you find a good college audition coach? Oh, hi, Sophia. How are you? My name's Drew. What's going on? Um, uh, so uh, I, am, I am one of probably like three or four that I would recommend. There are a few out there, but this is also kind of a fly-by-night operation. Like there are a lot that are popping up they're like, I'm a college audition coach. They may be a monologue coach or a song coach, um, which is different from being a college audition coach because their understanding of schools uh, could damage you and your admission process. So I recommend like me, there's one in uh, Orlando, there's one in New York. Normally, by the way, I'm in New York. I live in New York, but uh, I came out to see my girlfriend about three weeks ago when all this stuff hit the fan and... I live in California now. <laughs> we'll see when I go back. <laughs> so, Sophia, if you want more information about, like, um, how I work, all that kind of stuff, um, yeah. uh, Tammy, do you have my info that you can give to Sophia? I do. I have your email. Do you want me to just put that in the chat box? Yeah, right. yes, yeah. Okay. And Drew, we would want to make your information available to more students in the conservatory that weren't on today as well. Okay. Okay, great. Um, so the reason that I'm so like gung-ho about this first step is just because of the results that it um, has produced. Um, 
Um, so I'll go to that in a minute. The first part of your audition is the pre-screen. Now, some of you have already heard about this. This is old news for you. This is the video audition where you um, send in your video to be considered to audition, right? Um, I also advise that you use an audition coach for this because you can have someone coaching you while you're filming. Um, and it's really helpful for our students because you're able to say like, hey, how'd that feel? Oh, it felt great because I did this. Or how'd that feel? Oh, that sucks because I forgot my lines. Right, cool. Let's do it a different way. Um, uh, give yourself two hours to film your pre-screens. Um, you don't need anything fancy. Like I film with fancy equipment because I can, but like you don't need to. An iPhone and sunlight will be absolutely fine. Uh, you don't need any microphones except the microphone on your iPhone. Totally easy breezy, okay? Uh, what do you wear? Whatever you would wear to an audition. Don't try and impress anybody. Um, um, oh, great. Um, so like, you know, I usually wear like button downs and slacks because that's how I dress. I'm kind of a nerd. But like, if you're the kind of person who wears torn jeans and like a tube top to an audition and that's your vibe, cool, do that because you will move uh, with a lot more ease, okay? Um, the pre-screens, a lot of them are due um, around November, so have them submitted by the beginning of October. Um, a lot of the crazy Facebook mom groups will say, have them done by July, have them done by June, have them done in 1985, blah, 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 blah. Um, don't do that. The reason is because once schools come back into session in August and September, they re-update their audition requirements and then you have to shoot all over again. And it stinks. We've been stung by that before. So like everyone will tell you to do it early. Wait until the second week of November. Uh, well, no, 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 second week of September. Sorry about that. Second week of September, okay? Um, the dance pre-screens, unfortunately, you'll probably have to film a couple different uh, dance pre-screens. And by a couple, I mean like four or five because each school will want to see different things from you. Some will be like, we want to see 15 tondus and we want to see 30 seconds of tap or we want to see this, we want to see that. So like um, you can probably film, get away with filming two or three that combine a lot of the elements of these different audition requirements, but like give yourself some time because these take more time than a regular one, okay? Um, uh, let's see. Um, the Unifieds. So this is where all the schools come to uh, big cities at the same time. Uh, New York, Chicago, and LA. All the colleges are there at the same time. Um, there's between 30 and 40 schools. Last year it was like 30 and 50 schools uh, who were there, okay? Um, you don't register for the unifieds. You register just for the schools that you are auditioning for. So let's say that Sophia's like, um, I want to go to uh, NYU, Pace, and UCLA. You would register to audition with them. And then that's who you would audition for at the Unifieds, okay? But because there are so many schools there and you will have so much time on your hands, you can do these things called walk-ins where, like the name suggests, you walk into a school that you haven't even applied to academically. You just walk in and say, yo, I'm Avery and I'm here to rock your world. Let's do this, okay? Um, you will have so, many, so much time for walk-ins um, do as many as you can, like as many as you can. Um, because the worst case scenario is you don't go to a school that you weren't planning on going to. Okay, cool. Um, but a cool scenario is someone gives you a lot of money. Like, let's say you walk into like Texas state and you're like, I don't want to live in Texas, but who cares? And they're like, Hey, Sophia, here's $30,000 a year. You can turn around and be like, Hey, other schools, Texas state's offering me $30,000 a year. What can you do for me? Okay. Another best case scenario is you fall in love with a school that you'd never heard of. That happens all the time. Um, we have two students going to University of Utah because they walked in at Unified and they were like, this school has everything that I need. Okay. Uh, they're usually not free. Usually they cost between $0 and $30, but I would budget for it. Like I, I implore you to budget for it. Like have 300 bucks in cash ready to go at Unifieds because the return on investment, I don't want to like make too many promises, but like historically for us, the return on investment has been awesome. Like sometimes that $30 you spend results in a $20,000 scholarship every year. So like budget for the walk-ins, okay? 
what to bring to Unifieds. Three headshots and resumes for each school. So like, I just, I have each kid bring like a hundred headshots and resumes for the whole, whole Unified season. Comfortable clothes, dance clothes, a Bluetooth speaker to play your accompaniment track because a lot of schools don't have actual piano players. So make sure you have your tracks recorded on your iPhone and then you'll play it to a Bluetooth speaker. Make sure your airplane mode is on so that you don't get phone calls during your audition like my kids did. Um, big tip, you cannot give them in the audition what they want because they don't know what they want. Do not cater your audition to what you imagine someone wants to see because you will drive yourself cuckoo bananas. It does not work, okay? You have no control of what they want or how to get into a school. You have one thing that you are in control of, and that is being the fiercest version of you that you can be. You go full tilt Avery in there and don't try and alter your audition for anything because they want to see you at your most you. That is how they make their decision, okay? Um, what they want, there are a few concrete things what they want. Professional conduct. Organized and prepared. Are you on time? Do you have your stuff memorized? Are you friendly? Um, and do you go bananas in your audition? Like, that's all you got to do. Be on time. Uh, be ready. Be nice. And, like, go to town in your audition. And remember this. I can't say this enough, especially the juniors right now, because you're only a year away from this. Be really kind to yourself when it comes to audition acceptances, okay? Don't think of auditions as a test score, right? If you go three for nine in a test, like, that's obviously an F. Like, you should have studied more. Think of it as a batting average. If you go three for nine in a ball game, you hit 333, and that is an all-star batting average. You're one of the league leaders in batting if you go three for nine. Because hitting a fastball at a major league level is incredibly hard. Getting into a BFA program is hard. If you get into three of them, you're killing it, okay? So remember that paradigm, okay? Um, so you, you know what to do. How do you do it? Um, this is where I say I'm really adamant about how we start everybody off with school match and stuff um, because of our success rate when people have stayed with us or fallen off the wagon. We have a 98% success rate and a 100% of those who followed through, um, go, getting into Pace and Boston Conservatory and Tish and on and on and on and on. Um, we do a thing called school match where like you say, hey, I'm Sophia. I want to go to a school that has um, this kind of training, this location, this kind of cost, yada, yada, yada. So then I make for you 25 schools that uh, fit roughly what you're looking for. And then you narrow that down to that 12 to 20 range. Okay. Um, and they're based on things that are important to you, like training, like networking, like cost. Um, and not to toot our own horn. See what I did there. Um, uh, students who stayed with us had a 98% admission rate. Students who, did, who had their own list had a 20% admission rate. And so I can't tell you enough how important it is. If you use a coach for anything, use it to get started. Okay? Um, and I will also say this. Families who do not have a targeted school list spend on average $2,000 more at the end of the process because they're not organized. And it's like, oh, shoot, we have to take flights here. We have to get a hotel here. We have to uh, uh, make another pre-screen because this school just came up. Like if you organize early, your costs also go down. Um, so this is my tip I was, I was going to tell you about to eliminate stress. Uh, there's a thing that people spend hours, days, weeks on that you need to spend half an hour on and then forget about it. It is your resume. Your resume does not matter hardly at all. Um, Amy Rogers, who's the head of Pace said, you can hand me a blank piece of paper. And if you're the person I'm looking for in the room, I could not care less. It doesn't matter. I had a performer who had Broadway credits. She was a junior in high school and she'd been on Broadway and she had letters of rec from James Lapine and the colleges were like, so what? You're not that good. You know what I mean? Um, Another performer who had only done high school show choir got into all their schools and their resume looked terrible and they got in because they brought what the schools needed, okay? So like, don't worry about your resume. Um, the only thing that I would actually spend a little bit of time in your resume is your special skills because that's a conversation starter. Like if Avery walks in there and they're like, oh, you've done a lot of shows, like, 
you can speak Tagalog? And then all of a sudden it's like, that's a conversation starter, okay? I have actually been cast before based on my special skills, not related to the show, not because like I can do backflips or anything, but like I have a lot of impressions on my special skills. And they've been like, hey, everyone else, leave the room. Drew, can you do that read again as Obama? I'll be like, yeah, okay, sure. And like, they get to know you. And because they're casting you for four years, they're not casting you for a role. They're casting you to hang out with for four years. And the more they get to know you in the room, the more they get to fall in love with you, okay? Um, during this time, CAP is waiving all fees with consultations, waiving all fees with classroom masterclasses, and uh, we're doing weekly special topics videos for families on our page. Um, so normally I have a QA and a uh, session, but I have to get to another session uh, at three o'clock. Um, so I have time for like, um, maybe like uh, two minutes of questions uh, if you have them, and I will be happy to share my answers. Um, is it possible, like, getting into, like, theater college world to go to, like, um, or community college first, like, and get your AA, like, that's what I've been looking into, and then, like, a different, like, theater program, or is it, like, uh, you immediately need to go to a university? Um, so it, it depends. If we're talking about a BFA, like the, like the hardcore training program, it's really hard to transfer in because a lot of them are, like, now we have like a four-year process that we put you through. Um, so uh, it's, only, it's really only advisable if you're transferring from another BFA. Okay, cool. Um, transferring to a regular BA program, though, totally achievable. Sweet. That's the one I wanted to do anyway. So. Yeah. And then, okay, so, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, are, is your program like one-on-one? Like specifically, like structured for that person and what they want to. Yeah, so um, I have I have our flagship program, which is the one-on-one, like getting your schools, your audition requirements, finding your monologue songs, and it's all like custom to Avery. So like, I'll give you fifteen monologues, and if you don't like any of them, we'll find fifteen more. Um, <laughs> um, and then for for um, families who are like not quite sure about one-on-ones, I just launched this thing called Cap Connect, which launches in May. And it's a video module series where, like, I put you through everything that I would give one of my one-on-one students, except I'm not picking material for you and coaching you, but I'm walking you through every other step of the process. Okay, cool. Thank you. Date? Do the standards differ, for example, if you are not planning on staying in the U.S. and you want to go out of the country? Um, Do the standards for getting into college differ? Um, again, like, it's funny because like, that's kind of universal. It, it depends on the school. Um, some colleges in the UK re and Spain really love attracting American students. So they're like, doesn't matter what your GPA is, get over here. Um, and some colleges more in the UK are like, nah, you have to have good grades. Um, but I would re, uh, Tate, if you're really into like international study, mm-hmm. there's, uh, School called, I think it's like the um, University of the Arts in Barcelona, UA or UBA, something like that. Um, It's a BFA program run by a British school in Barcelona. It's three years. And I think the total cost for all three years is something stupid, like $30,000. Like it's ridiculous. So I would take a look at that too. Okay. Um, Thank you. Do that one, Tate. Uh, Yeah. Sophia? I wrote it down. Okay. Uh, All right, y'all. I got to bounce. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, And let me know what I can do for you. If I can promote any shows, if I can promote any classes, I will be happy to put them up on my business page uh, on Facebook and share with everybody. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then, um, bye, Drew. Kids who are here, we do have a movie night tomorrow night. Um, it's going to be hairspray. So we'd yeah. love you guys to all join us um, for that. And we've sent you the link. But thank you guys. And we'll put you in touch with Drew for sure, because we want him to come back and do more with you guys with this college training. Okay. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Thank you so much, Deborah. You're welcome. Bye. Thank you, Ms. Deborah. Bye. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey. 
Tammy, thanks for setting this up. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> yeah. I the recording. Oh, good. So you recorded it. Yes. Okay, great.